Our series, God With Us, is anchored to one particular verse of Scripture, and it's Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23. This is what we read. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a message that the angel spoke to Joseph, kind of announced, you know, Joseph was, a, he was, he was trying to figure out what's going on. His engaged, his betrothed, his betrothed Mary is pregnant, and he doesn't know what to do. He's an honorable guy. He doesn't want her to be disgraced. He wants to do what's right. And so an angel comes to him in the middle of a dream and says, Every, can I just put it in the way I'm thinking it? Everything's cool. It's all good because God's in this. Not only is God in this, but let me go one step farther, Joseph. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, that's, that's a powerful statement. It's a powerful statement. And you see, when I think about God with us, and then I come right back to the season in which we're living, uh, this season, this Christmas season, is often characterized as it's the most wonderful time of the year. Is it really? Is it really? I mean, think about it. This 2020 is just Wonderful may not be the way we would describe our year, would it? But yet the season, we, generally speaking, the season is just wonderful. But there are moments, we have to admit, there are moments when, it's, when it doesn't feel all that wonderful. There are a lot of things that press on us, that kind of take the wonder out of the season. But, you know, when I think about this wonderful season... And then I think about the things that can interrupt it. Things like a wilderness experience, like loneliness and isolation. Or maybe something like a storm or two, turmoil and trouble that just kind of rushes into our life and it disrupts this wonderful season. And maybe a little bit like we talked about last week with valleys. We walk through valleys that can be very dark and very difficult to navigate. And Psalm 23 helped us as we kind of navigated or chatted about these valleys, that we need to keep moving, or rather, we need to remember the character of the one who's with us in the valley. We need to keep moving when we're in the valley. We need to stay in proximity to God and remember that God's going to intervene on our behalf even when we're in the valleys. And valleys come. They, they do. They're, they're part of our experience. And although valleys are in our future, remember this. God is with us, and the main point of our entire series is this. God is with us always, regardless. I want you to say that with me. God is with us always, regardless. One more time. God is with us always, regardless. Whether it's a wilderness, whether it's a storm, or whether it's a valley. Irma Bombeck was an American humorist. This is what she said. If life is a bowl of cherries, one of my... <laughs> What am I doing in the pits? And man, I'm telling you, that is a statement I think that is truer than just the humor that's connected to it. Because there are times we feel as if life is the pits. And you've probably even used that phrase. It's just the pits. Well, we're going to talk about a pit this morning for a while. And you know, the, 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 the truth of the matter is... <clears throat> Every one of us have been in a pit at some point. 
And you say, well, I don't fully understand. Well, let me, let me start it by saying this. We've all been there. We've all been in a place where the situation seems that there's just no way out. There's no solid answers. There's no relief of any kind from any direction. We simply don't know what's next. We don't know what to do with that experience. And so we, we just, we find ourselves in a pit, as it were. And then, and then, once we do it, maybe we start comparing. We start saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe your pit's not like my pit. Maybe your pit smells worse than my pit. And, you know, it just, things are just not good and, and not only that, not only that, at that time when you're in the middle of something like that, the last thing you need is somebody telling you how bad their situation is, like one-upping you. No, you don't need that at that moment. I don't need that. None of us do. What is a pit? A pit is a hole or a cavity in the ground. That's, the, that's what it is. A hole or a cavity in the ground. A deep chamber, listen to this, a deep chamber where prisoners are confined a dungeon, the abode of evil spirits and lost souls, hell, or some part of it. You see, pits are not a pleasant place to be. But probably there's not a person watching online this morning, not a person here that hasn't experienced one. They're real, they're deep. They're traumatic. They're difficult. And so I would just say this. Here's the best way that I can describe a pit this morning. The worst of all situations. The worst of all situations. That's pit. Have you ever been there? Are you there now? And just like valleys, the scriptures have a lot to say about pits. You'll be surprised when you start thinking about it and how often you're going to come across that word or that image. For example, Joseph. Joseph's brothers threw him in a cistern, a literal pit. And then they sold him to, to be a slave. And then he went from being a slave back into a prison, a.k.a. pit. Well, you move on and you look at Isaiah. Well, you might call what, what, what Joseph experiences the pit of jealousy. Jealousy. Then you move on, and Isaiah talks about a pit of destruction. Now, his was more figurative, but yet I think we can understand what he is, what he's experiencing. It's the pit of fear, the fear of our life just being destroyed and having nothing, no hope beyond it. Then you look at Daniel. Daniel was unjustly imprisoned because of what he believed, and he was thrown into another literal pit. This time, he had some, uh, he had some companions with him. They were called lions. In the middle of that, you might call it the pit of false accusation. What about Jonah? Jonah's pit was very different. He was in the belly of a big fish. But it was nonetheless a pit. In fact, he says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 6, he calls it a grave and he calls it a pit. This is the pit of regret because he had run away from God. Opposite direction, as a matter of fact. Then you look at Peter in Mark chapter 14, verse number 72. We read of Peter's remorse because of his denial of Jesus. And literally, there is an emotional pit that he's dealing with. I would call it the pit of despair and hopelessness. 
Well, then you have Paul, who's in prison, a.k.a. another pit, who says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, that he was alone, he was alone, but the Lord stood at his defense. Think about that. In a dungeon, in a Roman prison, all by yourself, and, the only, and he was grateful that the Lord was there, but he was by himself. I would call this the pit of abandonment. Then you have John on the Isle of Patmos, a.k.a. another pit. He has been banished. He is exiled. He's exiled. And we read in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9 that it's because of the preaching of the gospel that he is where he's at. And so this would be the pit of persecution. See, these pits could be very familiar to you, but it's not just these. These are representative of these dark places, difficult places, and lonely places. We find ourselves, and one more time, the worst of all possible situations is what a pit is. So here's the question for you. Is Emmanuel, is Emmanuel God with us even when life is the pits? Because I think sometimes, just as we discussed last week with valleys, it's very easy for us to acknowledge the fact that God is with us when things are good and when things are easy. When there are no challenges, when the road is smooth, when the, without speed bumps, without difficulties, without interruptions, without disruptions, it's pretty easy for us to believe that God is with us. But what about when we're in the middle of a dungeon? Sometimes of our own making. Sometimes that just, it, it just happens. What do we do then? Is it at that point we say, well, you know, God's just forgotten about me. I'm all alone, and I know if I were to ask the question, you ever felt all alone that God wasn't with you, not a person in the room and not a person on line joining us would say, oh, no, I've never felt that. No, we've all felt that way. We've all felt alone. So I wonder, I wonder this morning, how do we navigate, and this is a little play on words, and I've used it before, how do we navigate our pitiful life? How do we navigate that? Because our lives will, will go through a pit at some point, just like they'll go through a valley. How do we do this? How do we continue to understand and to celebrate the fact that God is with us, that Emmanuel is with us even in the pit? And here's another phrase that I've used numerous times, but it really is very appropriate this morning because of how we're going to navigate this today. So there, here's, here's the truth. Here, catch this. We are either pre-pit, in the pit, or post-pit, because pit happens. It just does. And there's, you, you, can, you can live in a state of denial if you like. And I think for many years, I lived in that kind of a state. That it would never happen to me, but no, 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 it did. And it has since, and it will again. Why? Because I'm either pre-pit, in the pit, or post-pit. And so how do we navigate this? How do we do it? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about one individual who found himself in a pit. His name's Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah's pit was not figurative. It was literal. In fact, what we read in Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 16, and then chapter 38, verse 6, so this is what we read. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon. Okay, we just described the pit as being a dungeon, right? Then, look at this where he remained a long time. So they took Jeremiah, and then they put him into a cistern. 
It's another pit. Now, a cistern is a bottle-shaped, it was a bottle-shaped pit that would, that would collect water. When you read about Jeremiah's experience in the cistern, the cistern, it says very clearly that the cistern was dry. But they lowered him down into the cistern, and it was filled with mud, and so he sank into the mud. Think about that for a moment. How pleasant is that experience? You go from a dungeon to a cistern, and finally someone advocated for him and said, if you don't pull him out, he's going to die. Now think about it. Does that somewhat characterize maybe your pit experience? Where you feel like you've gone from one bad thing to something even worse. And now it's just, everything's magnified. Jeremiah was a prophet for about 40 years. He was called at a very young age. And he prophesied very strongly about the destruction that was coming to Judah because of their rebellion against God. It finally was realized in 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and took the people into captivity. Jeremiah was faithful. He never stopped calling to the people for repentance. They didn't listen, and there was judgment that followed. From Jeremiah's pit experience, we learned some things. But, but before we go there, I, let, me, let, me just, let me say it this way. I love playing basketball. And that's one of the things I think, as I have gotten older, I have really missed. And I had the privilege of playing basketball ever since I, I think I was about nine years old, competitively. And I absolutely loved playing basketball. I loved the competition. I loved being on the floor. I loved everything about it. But before there was one moment, one moment on the court in a competitive, in, in a competitive game, there was a lot of pre pre-game preparation. A lot of things happened before the game ever took place. And in much the same way, there's a lot of pre-pit preparation that you and I must engage so that when the pit comes, we're ready. In Jeremiah's case, listen to what we read in Jeremiah chapter 1 and a few selected verses. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Let me stop for a second. You know what is significant about that? Is that here Jeremiah is called at a very young age, as a boy, literally. And God says to him clearly, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Something very special is going to happen in his life. We read on. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Now listen to this. God then says to him, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I put words in your mouth, see, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them today. I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, ever before 
Jeremiah ever found himself in a pit, God said, I've got your back. Everything you need to say, I will provide. I will be with you. Do not be afraid. It's going to be okay. I am with you. Don't worry that if people call you too young. Don't worry about it. I've got you. I've got you. There's a lot of pre-pit preparation happening in Jeremiah's life. We can't ignore that. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves in a pit? What do we do? Well, once again, Jeremiah helps us, and we're going to go to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations was written after the destruction of Jerusalem, and it's his reflections that we want to spend a moment to a moment with. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 52. If you're joining us, you'll find it on version. Also, it's on the screens here, so take a look with me. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning at verse 52. This is Jeremiah speaking. Those who were my enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They tried to end my life in a pit and threw stones at me. The waters closed over my head, and I thought I was about to perish. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit, and you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, do not fear. Father, thank you for your words. Speak to us this morning and encourage us. From your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Four simple thoughts this morning. The first is this. When you're in the pit, just remember it may not be our fault. Okay? It may not be our fault. This is, I, I really want this to, to come across to us because I think often we believe everything we do that we've, we've brought it on ourselves. And sometimes that's true. I would be the first to admit that. But it's really, it's really interesting. I want to show you a picture of a little guy. Take a look at this guy. These guys are guilty. And there is no doubt in anyone's mind that they are guilty. And if you want to have a little bit of a laugh and a smile brought to your face, go on YouTube and just do this. Look up guilty dog videos. And I'm telling you, it will give you plenty of laughter and joy. Why do I, what's the point of this? Because you know something? When you're guilty, you know it and you show it. But you know that I think also when you're not, when it's really to no fault of your own and something happens, you kind of sit back and you go, what, what just happened? Why did this, why am I where I'm at? Jeremiah says it this way. Those who were my enemies without cause. Jeremiah had done nothing to deserve what was happening to him. He had done exactly what God had told him to do, yet with, to no cause of his own or no fault of his own, he finds himself in a pit. And you and I may find ourselves in a pit, a, an incredibly difficult place to no fault of our own. Pits are real. They're real. The pit of unemployment, when your company downsizes. The pit of isolation, when you move to a new community. The pit of fear due to circumstances beyond your control. The pit of heartache over the loss of a loved one. These are very real pits. And not one of them is to your own. You have not done anything to bring them on. You see, that's why pits are something that all of us, it's a common experience 
for those of us of humanity. It's just life. It's going to happen. Take heart, though. Just as Jeremiah says it very clearly, Emmanuel, God, is with us. Even when we find ourselves in a pit. Psalm 139, verse 7, I can never escape your spirit from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Can I just stop? That would be a wonderful way to say an amen. I can never get away from your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you're always where I'm at. Listen, he says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. Hallelujah. In the middle of the pit, Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. Also, second thing, being in the pit can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. Jeremiah says it this way. He said, they tried to end my life in the pit. I thought I was perishing. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where heartache is so heavy, you, you literally, you're just, you're, you're in pain. It hurts. Heartache. It, it's very real. It's something, I think, that is part of the human experience. Jeremiah says, I, was, I thought I was about to perish. What an overwhelming place to be. That you see no way out. And you can you imagine his experience? I don't know how deep he was in the mud in the cistern. But he, he probably had just given up hope. He went from a dungeon to a cistern. And you have to understand something about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a very sensitive, a very sensitive individual. He was the son of a priest. He was not, God had said, don't marry. Don't marry because I'm going to use that as an example to teach the people. So he is literally by himself, and here he is in a cistern, maybe up to his, almost up to his neck in mud. Can you imagine the feeling? And then finally someone advocates for him, and they drop ropes, and they will pull him out eventually. But can you imagine? That's an ominous place to be, and it's an ominous feeling when you say, I thought I was about to perish. And many of us have been in that very similar place. You see, the pit does that to you. It overwhelms you. And not only that, when you read this, when you keep, when you read this, what does Jeremiah say? They were throwing stones at me. I felt like the water was going to cover my head. Not a good place to be. Paul says something very encouraging in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A few verses. Listen to what Paul says. We have this treasure from God, but we are like clay jars that hold the treasure. This shows the great power of God, that shows that the great power is from God, not from us. We have troubles all around us. Can I could just change the word for a minute, just for the sake of our morning? We're in pits from time to time, okay? but we're not defeated. Okay? We're not defeated. We do not know what to do, but we do not give up the hope of living. We're persecuted, but God doesn't leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. 
So we do not give up, verse number 16. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit inside is being made new every day. Praise God. You see, when all of the things are pressing, no, God hasn't left us. We're going to get through this. It may feel ominous. It may feel as if the stones and the water, but God, God, Emmanuel, is with us. The third thought is that when you're in a pit, call on God. When you're in a pit, call on God. Now, that, seem, that may seem like, well, a no-brainer. Of course I'm going to. I get it. I, I heard a, a famous comedian say this one, day, one time. He said, there, are, there is no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. When the ground shakes, people look up. And I think that is absolutely, it's absolutely, a, there's a truism there. When, when we're in a pit, when we're in a difficult place, I would hope that as followers of Christ, the first thing that we would do, not the last thing, but the first thing is that God God, do you see me? God, do you hear me? God, are you there? It's not a matter, I think, of distrust as much as it is a matter of reassurance that we know God is with us. Remember, it's easy for us to understand that God is with us when things are easy and when things are good. But when things aren't, it's at that moment we call on God. There are three thoughts to this. First, Jeremiah called on the name of the Lord. On the name of the Lord. I love that. Call on Emmanuel. When you are in the middle of the pit, say, God, God, with us. Emmanuel, I, I need to know that you are with me at this very moment. I love the thought of the name of the Lord. There are over 300 names of the Lord that we can find throughout Scripture. And I say it this way to you. God has a name for you. Whatever you may be experiencing, whatever you may be walking through, there is a name that will provide exactly what you need when you need to call on his name. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong force. The godly run to him and are safe. Hallelujah. Jeremiah appealed to, the, to God to be heard. To be heard. That may be very subtle, but Jeremiah makes his cry, asks for his cry for relief to get heard. You know what's interesting? Jeremiah doesn't say, get me out of this pit. He just says, hear me, Lord. Hear me. Man, what a statement. Because I would be the first one to say, God, would you get me out of this place? But you know something? Just as with the valleys, it's in the difficult times we learn to know God more and more intimately. And so it's a matter of, God, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Philippians 3, listen to what Paul said. He's in prison, by the way. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. You see, Paul, he may have prayed at some point, Lord, deliver me from this, but here he's just saying, Lord, I want to know you more. In the midst of where I am in, in the pit that I find myself, I want to know you. Jeremiah, the third thing is that Jeremiah declared that God did hear him. Now again, that might be really subtle, but I love the fact when Jeremiah says, he heard my plea. He heard my plea. What an incredible sense of confidence that he expresses for all time for us to be encouraged. Listen, he says, God, you heard me. I want to tell you something. When I know that God hears me, I'm jumping for joy. 
Because I am not just, as I, I've used this phrase often in our prayer times in the mornings, I'm not just casting words to the wind. No, God hears me. God hears you. And he declares that, God, you heard my plea. You heard my plea. I love it. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Listen, his ears are open to their cries for help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the fourth thing, and finally, when you're in the pit, remember, God is with you. God is with you. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, you came near when I called you. I love that. If you're, as a parent, you've probably experienced something like I'm going to describe. When our middle son, Travis, was about three-ish, he went through this, uh, this period of time that he was not sleeping. I mean, he was not sleeping at all. Uh, and so we'd put him to bed. I'd put him to bed, and it was either Marcy or me. We'd go in, and we'd have to stay with him in his room. We would lay next to him on this terrible bed that we purchased the boys. It was awful. That made more noise when you sat on it, touched it, than it was just nuts. So then you would try, he would finally go to sleep, and I'd try to roll out of the bed without making a sound. That was impossible because the bed, you just sounded like the, the world was coming to an end when you moved on the bed. Especially like at two o'clock in the morning, it was even worse. Well, here's what happened. And as soon as you move, if you hear it, you go, Daddy, Daddy, or Mom, don't go. You know, so we stay there. And, you know, I think we lost about three years of sleep in that period of time. So all of this is happening, right? And then another night, I'd be, I'd be sound asleep, sound asleep, and I'd roll over, and for some reason I'd wake up, and here's this three-year-old face looking at me, standing right by the bed, going, come on, buddy, let's go back to bed. You know, so I'd get out of bed, and I'd stumble back into the other room, put him back down in the bed, lay down on this rickety piece of junk bed that we eventually burned in our fireplace because it was so bad. I'm dead serious. It was horrible. So then I get him back to sleep. Now, here's, here's the point. What does it all mean? Because when I or Marcy were close to him, there was no fear. He was confident. Why? Because he knew we were there. And I want you to know something. You need to know that when you are in a dark, difficult place, Emmanuel, God is with you. And I'm so grateful for that. God is with us. Daniel chapter 3, verse 22. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, look at this, weren't there three men that we tied and threw up in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Hallelujah. And One of them looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. You see, he's with us even in the fire pit, as it were. He will always be with us. Remember Jeremiah's words when we're in the pit. You came near when I called and you said, don't be afraid. God will come near when we call, and he is with us. Well, we've talked about our pre-pit preparation, and we've talked about what life looks like in the pit, but what about post-pit? What do we do then? What do we do then? Well, 
Jeremiah helps us again in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 58. Look at these words. This is so good. Lord, you came to my defense, and you have redeemed my life. There it is. Jeremiah recognizes that it was God that preserved him. One more time, you came to my defense, and you have redeemed my life. That's so good. It's so reassuring because pit happens. And just remember, there will come a time when you will be, hear me, there will come a time when you will be post-pit. You will be out of it. And it's at that point we need to give God thanks and praise for being with us in the middle of it all, getting us through it, getting us out of it. And it's at that point we say, God, thank you. Thank you. You came to my defense. You redeemed my life. Hallelujah. That's something to be joyful about. And one more verse from Psalm 40 and verse number 1. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. It's not easy to be patient in the pit, is it? And he turned to me and he heard my cry. Thank you, Jesus. He lifted me out of the pit of despair and out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one final thought. When life's the pits, when life's the pits, Emmanuel, God with us, is with us. Thank you, Jesus, for our, the word this morning. And I pray that those experiences that each of us may share that are pit-related, pray, Lord, that you would reassure us from your word. That, Lord, even though we're in the middle of a very dark, desperate place, you're with us, always. And regardless, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would. We want to take a few, we want to take some time and move into a time of worship and prayer. And so our prayer team will be available as well to pray with you on the sides of the auditorium during these next few moments. And I encourage you, I encourage you, if you have a need, let someone pray with you today before you go out into the week. But can I just ask the question, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. I'm really not, because probably at some point, you've been in the pit. Okay? You might be there this morning. I don't know. Remember, pits come in different shapes and different sizes. It's not one size fits all. Your experience in the pit is not like mine, nor is mine like yours. Nor should I compare yours to mine or you to me. It's just that we need to understand that it happens. We come to the Lord. He'll help us. He'll be with us, even in the middle of it. And you say, Gary, can I get out? Absolutely. Will I? At some point you will. Regardless, whether you're pre, in, or post, God is with you. That's what this series is about. That's what this season is about, is to remind us God is always with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel.